Still Kirby. Lovely check. Kirby! <laughs> that was that was fun, wasn't it? Um, yeah, welcome to season two, episode nine of Fran Kirby's Fight Club. Your one-stop listen to all things Chelsea FCW, and of course, the absolute legend that is Fran Kirby. I am Andre Carlisle, writer and podcaster here, and I am here with my co-host Miriam, <laughs> who is also having a good time. <laughs> yeah, bit too much of a good time. Yeah, I, I'm I'm doing pretty good. I'll try to keep the, the laughing to minimal. I just I'm sorry. I just Gareth Taylor randomly pops up in my head. At, yeah. Um, at, you know, every sort of five or ten minutes, and it, it gets a chuckle out of me. <laughs> uh, yeah, th- and don't hold back your laughter. We're we're going to enjoy this because this was exciting. Uh, so, yes, uh, we are recording, oh, hour and some change after Chelsea just walked off the pitch with a 4-0 win away at Manchester City. Got the scoring started early. Jess Fleming jumped on a really bad kind of mis- misplaced pass between a goalkeeper and center back. Jumped on it. Was really quick, really bright to jump on it, but ended up getting by the keeper and slotting it home two minutes into the game. Easy enough. Then in stoppage time, first half stoppage time, Sam Kerr got a goal. It was about the 40, 45 plus four, I believe, minute. And then in the once the second half started, almost the same pattern kept happening. Chelsea just continuing to be ruthless. Fran, Fran Kirby scores in the 52nd minute. Then Magda adds a header from a corner in the 55th minute, 4-0. Uh, Emma Hayes makes a bunch of substitutions. We see the game out. Don't really give them a sniff. Uh, Lauren Hemp tried, but she was denied, and it ends for nil. So uh, let's get to Miriam's favorite manager, manager of the day, Gareth Taylor. <laughs> oh, Gareth. Gareth, Gareth, Gareth. <laughs> I'm sorry, I've got to stop. <laughs> the thing is, right, the, funny, the funniest thing is, um, about two weeks ago when we played them and we won 3-0 in the FA Cup at their own stadium, after that game, Gareth Taylor was talking about how um, you know they were really going to work on the mistakes made. He talked about uh, he talked about Chelsea's high press. He talked about practicing passing drills and the warm ups on Sunday, and then he talked about a designated presser to combat that tactic. And and you look at today's game, and you're like, where were all those things? Like you took you know you see you're saying these things, but actually executing and implementing them in a team in a formation that suits the pressing and the way that Emma Hayes is cultivated is a whole other thing. And I think that. Crosses Chenna as as a Man City manager. He got away in the beginning with we're getting to rely on individuals because you know Man City is a team of absolutely amazing individuals. But the more the months went past, you could see that the, the cohesiveness, the the sort of reliableness, the communication that teams about that caliber possess, it's just absolutely null and void. There is no formation that we know that brings the best out of them. There's no inclination of pressing we don't know what's going on with the front players because he's short Ellen White how they're playing those players uh it it just seems like nobody knows what they're doing and he talks all about you know okay he said he said all the right things like any manager would but you just see that it's it's just not there and, and the worst team like the team you would not want to come up against in the kind of form that Man City had been at Chelsea he must have known he must have known it would have been a massacre and and I tweeted about this. I tweeted the thread, and I just said, you know, he's got to go. You can't stay after that. This hasn't been one game. Yeah, there've been injuries, like you know, we mentioned Karim Mataya helping us out in terms of her goalkeeping errors, but that's that's got nothing to do with the rest of the team. The the tactics aren't the tactics aren't there. There's no kind of analysis or or effort from 
from executing that on the pitch in during games and for want of a better phrase you hear it a lot on the men's side but he's lost the players he's lost them and and Man City are going to want to make a quick turnaround from that because they 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 won't want to continue the season like this they will still think they have a good chance of, of pushing ahead so so yeah that's my little rant on Gareth Taylor I, I didn't think he was great in the first place all those seasons ago in the first episode of the Frank Kirby Fight Club we talked about him talked about him coming from the academy as a talent identificator and then going straight to managing the first team I just didn't think it was great then and I don't think it's great now so think of it as as cosmic karma plus a little you know a little bit of joy for Chelsea fans watching <laughs> Yeah, you know, I agree with with everything you said there. I mean, I I do want to. So, in fairness to him, he set the team up okay. The problem mm. was adapting. That was the yeah. problem because Emma Hayes and and honestly, I I um I know we tweeted about this, but really, um the the good folks at Stadio they do a they do a couple podcasts, and one is a Righty's House podcast, and Emma Hayes was a guest on it. Um, they did like some live in London show. And it's incredible. It was really good. It's really good insight into Emma Hayes, how she thinks, her philosophies. She has some really fun comments about formations, how she thinks it's pretty archaic to talk about formations because you're really only in them when you're defending. Um, So Mm -hmm. you defend, you know, you get your shape, you stay organized. But when you're attacking, she says it's more about principles. It's more about things that you do, understandings and space and things like that. Not necessarily about, you know, 3-4-3 or 4-3-3. It's about attacking principles. And we saw a lot of that today. I mean, City came out and, and sorry, I'm back up before I talk about that. Um, she also talked about managers being able to adjust in game. You know, she called out a few managers, which just so happens, you know, Thomas Tuchel is one of the ones, you know, the Chelsea men's coach who was really, really good at it. She mentions Pep as well. And she's also very good at it. So you look at the game and you see a tale of two halves, right? You see Chelsea you know, bar that mistake, which was very funny and and a very unfortunate mistake from City to go behind that early against Chelsea because they thought, you know, especially the all the all the talk leading into the game from them was about this is the chance to turn their season around. Get right. You know, they beat Mm -hmm. Chelsea. They got 10 points. You know, they're they're only five behind Chelsea. Then they can maybe claw their way back. You know, this was really a chance to change things. And then two minutes in before two minute, the two minute mark, Jess Fleming has the ball in the back of the net by a bad, via a bad pass. But they did somewhat respond to that quite well. I do think that Caroline Ware needed to score that goal. When she got put through straight through the center of the pitch, that was a little scary to me. And I was like, oh, we shouldn't ever give up a through ball in the middle of the pitch like that. But of course, it takes a lot to beat Ann and Katrenberger. And she came up with a brilliant kick save that kept the ball out. It was amazing. But, you know, after that, it's like, we kind of understood what City were trying to do. And then, you know, they end up getting hit on the break in in the second half of, or the first uh, half stoppage time. And that was it. That was the game. Because after that, Emma Hayes said, oh, good. You know, already got, we were up a goal. We were going to go into halftime up a goal. Now we're going into halftime up two. I got what I wanted from G. You know, she was able to construct a break, play the, play that beautiful ball to go right and, who, get, who nodded back to Sam Kerr. It was an excellent goal to watch. It was really, really fun. It was kind of the quick strike Chelsea that we're used to seeing. And after that, she brought on Sophie Engel and all the spaces that, that City were trying, that City found in the first half were gone. And Chelsea dominated the second half, added two more goals, done. And he never figured out what to do with it. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting you talked about adjusting and flexibility there. And I think you're right to a certain extent. We did see that in the game. We saw it with the quick one-twos. We saw it from uh, hemp into wear into spaces between lines. So there was that inclination to adjust, to try to find spaces in which they could exploit the Chelsea defensive areas. But think about other games. Though. This is this, this is two games in a row they've conceded in, in the first minute. Uh, we saw it against Arsenal as well. They might know how to adjust in in in, so in the middle of games, but I'm not seeing that adjustment in between games where you can learn from one game and think, okay, against Arsenal, against these other teams, we consider early in the minute. Let's not try to do that against Chelsea. And and to a certain extent, I guess you could say, you know, poor Karima Taib, it was her mistake to make. But even prior to that pass that she ended up getting to Jesse Fleming, what was happening is that City were trying to play out, but in order to do that, the the defensive players need to come to receive the ball and then find spaces to pass out from that. And rather than coming to her to receive the pass, they were expecting her to play out. And I think that pressure showed. So while I am seeing some sort of adjustments within the game after we scored, I'm not seeing that in between games to suggest that there's a learning curve or a development to back up what Gareth, what Gareth Taylor is saying about potentially winning the league or climbing up the table. So for me, it's just not good enough. Oh, no. I Yeah, I completely agree with you with that because it is one of those things where your team's not good at doing this and, and mm-hmm. you know, playing from the back. And if they're going to be good at it, you need to coach it better. I mean, there are just certain things that like, you know, you, you talk, I'm trying to, I'm trying to remember what, what it was with the team and playing. Um, I believe it was Thomas Tuchel who, who did this with the Chelsea men's team. He just realized that the, the back line was playing too far apart. So he closed the space a little bit and suddenly they're able to control the ball and keep the ball in the back. So there are like many, many instances where you just need to, and again, like you mentioned, it's coaching basically. And it's, it's frustrating because this is kind of what happens in women's football far too often where some dude just gets a whole lot of, you know, really talented player. He gets an opportunity that he doesn't deserve and he doesn't really know what to do with it. And this is exactly what we're seeing with Gareth Taylor. I mean, last season, we even saw this, you know, people will know, and obviously you can tell by my accent, I am American. (laughs) (laughs) So I do root for and enjoy watching the U.S. Women's national team. He had two thirds of the midfield that ran through in the 2019 Olympics, Sam Mewis and Rose Lavelle, and just assumed that Roosevelt couldn't play in midfield and rarely did. And I heard from so many City fans telling me this and telling me that about why not and who was better than Rose. And Rose was hasn't caught up to the game in Europe yet, which is really interesting because she really modeled her game on a European model. She's probably the most European-ready player, like midfielder that we have. Sam Mewis is just large and really hard to take the ball off of. <laughs> and I, I, I don't want to say just because she's an incredibly talented player. I don't want to act like I'm minimizing her talent because she's exceptional. But he had these players, and obviously Sam Mewis was a huge part of that. You know, she really kept things composed in midfield. Didn't really matter where you put. As long as she was in midfield, she was going to play the play the game and, and make it very difficult for opponents to attack. And she was going to facilitate attacks as well because she's a versatile midfielder. But those players are gone now, and yeah, they have injuries. But this is awful. I mean, what was it? Five nil to Arsenal earlier in the season. Four nil to Chelsea. Today, what, just a week ago, 3-0 to Chelsea uh, in the FA Cup semifinal. Like, you've had plenty of opportunities to see what he can do against some of the top teams. He has the talent, even though there are injuries. Chelsea has injuries, too. Pernilla Harder didn't play. She wasn't in the 18. Uh, and Agnowen, she didn't play. Uh, you know, we, there are injuries that Chelsea has to deal with and have been coping with. But we had a performance like this that against City, and he just couldn't 
figure out how to cope with it. And I feel bad for the players, honestly, because they don't really deserve a manager who sets them up in a situation like this. Like they shouldn't be losing that. That is a talented team. They shouldn't be losing four nil to Chelsea. Like I, I obviously believe Chelsea should be beating them. (laughs) I want Chelsea to get all three points and beat them because I think we are a more talented team, but four nil that's on the manager to me because he couldn't figure out how to, how to keep the team structurally sound, defending well, being able to create attacks and also being able to resist some of the transition. I mean, some of the stuff, you know, in the, in the bet like that, that goal in first half stoppage time was delightful to watch. And we have some pinpoint passers, but that you can't let that happen in that situation. You're already about to go down one nil. You need to keep it one nil going down two nil just, just ends the game. And that was it. So, I mean, yeah, he just, it's rough because on one hand, if somebody offers you that job, you're going to want to take it, right? As an aspiring coach, you're going to want to, but you also have to understand like women's football, ain't, it's, it deserves better than that. And so that's where I feel bad for the players. Yeah. And the thing is, it wasn't, it wasn't just that, um, you know, there'd been some tactical errors or misjudgments. It was that they were playing in a style where they were allowing Chelsea's strengths to come to light. They were allowing Chelsea to utilise the best players possible without really being challenged in any way. They were allowing Gigi to literally run through the quote-unquote press um, and designated quote-unquote presses um, to go through and challenge in, her fl- in a floating role, in a role, if you don't any homework on G to know, this is where she absolutely thrives, picking out passes, making runs, cutting uh, transitions out. They were allowing Erin Cuthbert to charge up and down. They were allowing our defence to play out. And worst of all, they were allowing Sam Kerr and Fran Kirby to communicate frequently in an interchangeable sense. Not just like looking at a team and trying to target their key witnesses, knowing that Chelsea are a team that press. They have they've spent years and years honing that. They spent the last two seasons really trying to implement that because it's not something you develop overnight. It's really hard to do unless your your team is training for that model, that philosophy, that kind of play. And it's something we mentioned uh, at the start of last season. So any homework, really, any research to know how this team plays would have given Man City and Gareth Taylor that insight to know how to counter that. And it's not so much that they um, they failed to counter that. It was, uh, I don't think that they even tried. And I think on a certain sense, it's, as I mentioned before, I think it's losing the players. The players just realising that they can't, they're not compatible with Gareth Taylor's system because his system is just basically, go ahead and do it. There's not a real plan. It, it feels <laughs> like his system he's, is, oh no, I don't have Sam Mewis anymore. <laughs> yeah, his system is relying on individuals to do the job without any like you know any guiding any coaching and that kind of you know it's kind of his job so you're right we do feel bad for the players however at the end of the day 4-0 against a Man City type side that in the last few seasons have been title contenders it's it's a dream come true and we can now focus on the next game ahead with you know a clean sheet four goals the only slight worry for me is obviously Anne katrina Berger she did have an injury there was a clash yeah. with um who was the Man City player? That's it was yeah, and it yeah. was quite a lengthy timeout in the game. It, they did shout for a penalty, I think, but it was called off, and I'm more concerned about that injury. Yeah, I agree. Um, that that we and we will get to talk about, you know, the Emma Hayes side and the Chelsea side of things for this. Um, so actually, you know what? Let's transition and do that now because I did want to call out something real quick on Emma Hayes before we start talking about, you know, certain players that played the game and did some things. Um, and obviously, want to mm-hmm. get back to Berger, but. Um, in that Righty's House episode that I mentioned earlier at the beginning of the, sh- of the show, Emma Hayes broke down exactly what she thought was going to happen. 
and during that because they asked her about Manchester City and she said, and I'm going to quote this directly because this was amazing just to hear her rattle this off. Like, you know, it was almost like it was so ingrained and it, like she had so much confidence into it. It was just like small talk. You know, the way that she said it was just kind of like, eh, this is what's going to happen. But she says, quote, you've got a traditional 4-3-3 playing against a 3-4-3. So it'll be an epic battle of how their wide players are going to pin our wing backs and vice versa to, and vice versa how we're going to exploit certain spaces when they, when they invert players and how we're going to kill them on the transition. But we'll see how it plays out. And then she laughs saying, you know, now I'll never get a job again if we end up getting, you know, smashed 4-0 or something. Funny enough, she actually got the scoreline correct. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, it's just, that's and that's how the game went. And you can't, like, as an opposing manager with, you know, Manchester City, Emma Hay shouldn't be that comfortable dissecting everything you're going to do and being like, yeah, we're going to handle it. It's going to be fine. And in transition, we're going to destroy them. And that's exactly what happened. And so like, part of this, like, I love Emma Hayes. And she said a lot more very interesting things in the way she approaches, you know, coaching a team. But like that synopsis right there, and then to watch it play out the way that it did was just like, it's just, it's just amazing that, that like, I don't, it's, I go back, I'm trying not to go back to Garrett Taylor, but I can't help it because it's just so frustrating that that's the case. I mean, I, again, I love it because I love beating Manchester City. It's been hard to win up there. So like for real, like as far as Chelsea versus Manchester City goes, take away the players and how I feel they deserve to be treated. Keep Garrett Taylor for, for 50 more years. Like, I, like <laughs> I'm fine with that. that. Like, yeah, like, let's go up there to Academy Stadium. I'd love for that to be like, okay, good. We, we perform very well here because this manager hasn't quite figured out still how to, how to cope with, the, with, you know, this league. So, but on, on that instance, it's like you see what a really prepared, well-qualified manager can do versus a manager who is not that. And Emma Hayes broke it down so quickly. And even though she came up against some resistance in that first half and was, you know, I believe she said after the match that like that they were finding spaces and being able to do things. And we had a difficult time trying to adapt in the first half, but then they did. And that was it. Game was over. And, and they did all that without conceding a goal. It's just, it's crazy really to think of how far this team has come from the team we saw a few seasons ago where we were just throwing on attackers for the sake of it and, and trying to work out how to fit all these players in. And and then even last season when we made that jump, it didn't work out instantly. We needed a few months to understand the formation. And after that season, we're wondering, okay, where can we go from here? Losing the Champions League final, winning the league, where can we go from here? And we found a whole new formation that works effortlessly for us. And and these are the leaps that teams have to make. And Man City are just not doing that, I think. Um, and we saw the best of our team today. It was G, it was Sam Kerr, Fran Kirby. We saw the best of our defences today as well. Uh, and also the, the com- comparing, like we mentioned, and katrina Berger to someone like Karim Atayeb, the, the gulf in, in talent, the fact that City should have scored, really. And, and, you know, there were two magnificent saves. A lot of people probably watch this game and even if you're like not really aware of women's football, you think, okay, Chelsea, Man City, that must be a big game. It, it has been a big game the past few seasons, but this season it hasn't been. And it's been like watching a mid-table side and, and a top team. And that's exactly what we saw today. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and let's talk about, let's just talk about that because this was a fun performance. I think all the goals were really well taken. You know, I mentioned the Jess Fleming goal. I thought that was just a really, really smart read. Like you cannot... That's the other thing. You cannot make mistakes, you know, against this Chelsea team, especially in the in the back. Like they're looking to turn you over high and then they're looking to just bomb players forward and just create a wave that when the ball ends up in the, in the back of the net and like 
0.7 seconds. Like, like they just pounce on mistakes and that's exactly what happened. That was incredible to watch, but just like, I wonder for you, like what, what was your favorite goal? Because for me, I, I don't know. I, I, I have a hard time choosing between really all of them. I mean, I love that Magda got a goal, even though it's fairly simple header and you do feel like the goalkeeper should have came out and, and dealt with that. But the honestly, the other three is hard to choose. I mean, Jess Fleming, the Sam Kerr goal, you know, that whole sweeping move from one side of the pitch to the other. Fran Kirby's incredible shot that she, you know, and I love that she had the confidence to hit it again, you know, because that was a shot she tried probably like a minute or two before she scored the goal and she wasn't able to get it. And then she tried it again and she nails it. So it's like, it was just incredible. I just like, I, I don't know. what what was Which one did you love? It's it's like you say it's hard to pick. I'm kind of stuck with between Fan Kirby with the the chip shot. Just just while everyone was kind of expecting her to do some kind of skill other than that, like it just it came out of the blue, and, and the keeper again, Karim Mateo, do feel sorry for her, you know, coming up against an attack like ours. But then at the same time, you think of the the Kerr goal. The the good thing about that goal as was as the run was being made down the left bank Kerr straight away called for the ball she knew where she needed to be she made the run in the right position right in between the defense in between defenders and the knock-on header and she knew she knew exactly where she needed to be without having to communicate and, and ask and it's that that almost telepathic nature to to know your team and your formation so well that you merely know where to be without really thinking that was something that City were lacking today. Um, they needed extra focus and extra communication. They didn't have those things. But I think the the Fran Kirby goal for me is just like absolutely Fran Kirby in a nutshell. She just she just pulls it out of the bag every time in ways you just don't expect. You think she's done something amazing. And you're like, how could she possibly top this? Like, you know, you can't, I can't really think of anything better than that. And then bam, she just hits you with, with something else like that. And then, and then there's Sam Kerr who just is is a beast she can't be marked you know she can't be unless you're fouling her then you can see the penalty so how to pick <laughs> right. like I, i've not answered your question because i don't know how to pick <laughs> <laughs> no you know what i was thinking about it while you were talking and i and i i was gonna go with the fran kirby goal because obviously we are the fran kirby spike club and we do adore fran kirby and it was an excellent goal and i love i love how she how well she took it but i think given the opponent you know manchester city and the ways that we show that we can attack, you know, by moving the ball quickly in transition across the pitch. You know, we, we move the ball very quickly um, and and have no problem hitting the ball through the air to the other side of the pitch, then working it back for a goal. We saw that versus Servette, and we basically did exactly the same thing, and it was Google Wright, and it was instrumental again. You know, we, I think our best goal against of the seven against Servette was similar to this. We kept the ball wide brought it in and then it, we had a quick cutback for, in the box for an easy goal and I think Sam Kerr scored that one again um, as well against Servette and it just seemed to be very similar except Gore Wrighton was the one receiving on the right whereas it was loopholes against Servette but she and that's the thing with this team everybody's such a technician and everybody and this is why I believe Emma Hayes going back to what she said about attacking principles is really it's about space. It's about where are you going? How can you be the most dangerous? And where can you position yourself to be able to receive a ball from your teammate? And quickly in transition. So as soon as that ball is turned over, G starts running wide left. It would be silly, even though Gould Wrighton is our left wing back, it would be silly for her to go left and chase, basically chase G. So she stays wide right as an option for the for a long pass. And of course, Sam Kerr, makes that central run and basically picks up any any central defender where you can't leave her. 
So that ends up opening up an avenue through the air for G to be able to find Guo Raiten on the right side. And she does that. And then Raiten's header back was just really, really clever because she realized like, oh, this is a simple goal if I just get it back to my amazing striker. <laughs> so I might as well not even try to, you know, again, on her right side, it would have been harder for her to hit the ball with her left foot. So instead, she just heads it back central and Sam Kerr's waiting right there. The defense is panicking. You know, there's nothing they can really do about it. And I just I just love that. Like the way this team hits you and you don't really know where the ball is going until it's in the back of the net. It makes me really, it's such a pleasure to watch. It's so good. So I think I've talked myself into that one being my favorite. I can't believe we've got this far into the podcast and we haven't had our, our Jesse Fleming, weekly <laughs> Jesse Fleming section. I'm going to give you the floor. I want to speak for at least a good seven minutes uh, <laughs> let, let you do your thing. Cause I know that's, there's a lot more to talk about ju- than just her goal. So I'm going to let you do your thing. Uh, I appreciate it. And you know what? I'm not going to take seven minutes. I thought this was a, a good uh, performance from her. I think I think obviously getting the goal that early in the game really helped and changed things with the team, even though they came under some pressure afterwards. Um, but it really allowed them some buffer to figure out how different ways to cope and adapt. But yeah, I just really, I really like this player. Like we really need to have her in the starting lineup more, even when Pernilla Harder is back. I think we have to find a, a space for her. And it's difficult because there are so many good really good players on this team you know you saw g in the what just before halftime construct that help construct that goal that got us two nil up but emma hayes takes her off at halftime anyway and puts on sophie engel because she's saying that sophie engel could cope more with the spaces and cut down some of those spaces and press in midfield a little bit better she knows where to do it she knows how to do it a little bit better to disrupt city in their build-up play but so it's like you you kind of it's just hard to figure out the right combination, not only because, you know, what does a game need? You know, I think if if Emma Hayes had, you know, projected that City was going to at least, you know, make that one adjustment, she probably would have started the match with Sophie Engel instead. But she, again, we've talked about Emma Hayes being bold before. She doesn't mind making any substitutions or changing things up. And that's exactly what she did. She even said after the match, change the shape a little bit, which basically I think just meant that, Sophie Engel was staying a little bit deeper, whereas G was moving around a little bit more forward. And that really helped keep City in front of our City's midfielders in front. And that was the end of that. Like their attack was pretty much well neutered after that. They weren't able to do anything. Mm. But, you know, looking at, at go, going back to Jess Fleming, I just think she is such an intelligent player no matter where she plays. But I really, 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 and I said this last time, but I want to see her in midfield more. I kind of like her at the left forward position because there are a lot of opportunities. Again, as Emma Hayes says, you're not really playing a true formation a lot of the times when you have possession. And so there are a lot of times when uh, Jesse Fleming gets back, uh, gets into midfield and is able to play. But seeing her start as a midfielder, I think is something that I really want to see. Oh, oh, one other thing. I think even as impressive as her goal, I won't say more impressive, but as impressive as her goal, one of my favorite, favorite things that she did is she was kind of drifting central, playing in a mid, in the midfield role. G makes goes to make a run, pick up the ball, and she's trying to dart into the space that uh, Fleming vacated and kind of left for her. But City end up um, getting the turnover, taking the ball over, and they're looking to counter. And everybody you know, from City turns their hips, and they're darting back, and they're trying to counter. Suddenly, Jess Fleming reads that so quickly, mm-hmm. and she just turns it on so quickly she's able to stop that counter before they even get I don't even think they got into the attacking third with that move and that was like one of our two midfielders losing the ball 
pretty high up the pitch and everybody behind, like City's players behind, that could have been a really dangerous situation. But it wasn't because Jess Fleming saw what was happening, got in front of the ball, and before you know it, we had the ball back. Just like that kind of stuff, that kind of awareness and understanding, like this is exactly where I need to be to stop what's happening. She diffused it immediately. And it was so cool. I might I might try to uh, find it and, and clip it if I can. I'll show, because um, I, I think, I know I tweeted about it from the account, but I'll try to find it and post it on our Twitter account because seriously, that was super impressive and the kind of things that she just does quietly all throughout a match. Yeah, and we saw in the build-up to her goal, she's very quick in reactionary things like, you know, pressing on the front or finding places where possession is about to easily be taken away. And having a play like that in midfield, and I guess G is another one of them, you might not always want to have two of those, but one like that, um, that can be quick in that sense and not just stop transitions and counter-attacks, but also then turn things around and initiate them. It's so helpful for both the defensive sense, but also an attacking sense, because you have that link-up play um, from midfield through to attack, and that's what helps in terms of goal scoring. And it helps players up front, like Fran Kirby and Sam Kerr, to really have that trust of the players behind them to know that they will receive the ball in positions where they can score. And I think that City were lacking that. Yeah, absolutely. And so this was a very good Chelsea weekend. Not only did we go to Manchester City away at the Academy Stadium, where the first time we won in regular time was the FA Cup semifinal that we just won uh, the previous week. But, well, was it two weeks ago? I think it was, yeah, I think it was on a, wasn't that match on on a Halloween um, here in the States? I don't remember. Time, flat circle, yep. whatever. Yes, okay, good. And, and uh, so it was a couple <laughs> weeks ago. And then we come back, beat them at the Academy Stadium in 90 minutes again. This time 4-0. We, we do a goal better than we did in the FA Cup semifinal. That coupled with Arsenal... Dropping points. Yep, I was waiting to, to you say it. Yes, Arsenal and Spurs tied 1-1. And actually, that was very intense match because uh, Spurs almost, they came so close, just minutes, just a couple minutes from being able to take all three points. Uh, so, Miriam, what do you, actually, let me go back and, and look at the table. Arsenal, 19 points. Chelsea, 18 points. Brighton behind them in third place with 15. And then Tottenham, fourth with 14. What do you think is happening with this title race? Do you think we might have gotten close enough? It's really hard to call because... Teams like um, so a team like Arsenal un- under Joe Montemiro, they kind of always had the Champions League spot. They were kind of in a bit of a contest with Manchester United for a while, and they they really struggled to. I shouldn't say struggled. I mean, they just about scraped in each year. Um, prior to obviously them winning the WSL title a while back, but then Tottenham they were really struggling under uh, Juan Amoros and the the two team manager system, and under Rahane Skinner last season they. They needed some time to work out the formation, to work out what they were going to do without a central playmaker. You know, they had uh, Rosiane and they had Neville on the flanks, but losing Alex Morgan and not really knowing what to do with the team, they struggled quite a lot. And this season, they've come back from that and they are doing really well. And Arsenal are doing really well. And then there's there's Brighton. So I think it's it's weird because the teams around us are different. They're not the teams we're used to. You know, Manchester United aren't having a great season. City are down in ninth position. Uh, Villa and West Ham seem to be doing pretty well. It's it's confusing. You never know. But one thing you can rely on is Chelsea. We need to know that 
in every game that we play that we play in a system that suits us and we play with people who we can rely on to score goals obviously yes we did have that loss um that freak loss in the beginning of the season but ever since then um Emma has sort of cottoned on really quickly to to how to play against each and every team and it's something that we struggled with a little bit last season so that transition I think means that um, we are obviously in prime spot as as top contenders, probably top betting contenders as well. Now, herein lies the mystery of whether Arsenal can keep going because at the moment they seem to be almost unplayable. Like aside from the goals they conceded, they you know they've been winning five one, four nil against West Ham, three nil Brighton, four nil Hoffenheim, they three nil Everton. They're really not conceding much. They're defensively very tight. And I think that. In previous years, it's been a single game that's been the decider, you know, that 3-2 win against Man City for us in a few seasons ago. I think our game against Arsenal is going to be another one of those of a decider. If Arsenal and Chelsea both separately continue the form they're on, I think that's going to be decided. I'm just scrolling through to see when that second game is. Yeah, actually, I have a I have a question for you about that because I was scrolling through while you were talking uh, and Ooh, mentioning February, that. So. Okay, that's, that's yeah. a bit early, isn't it? But, but mm. in between that, so we have games, and this is just in the league. So I'm just going to read our, our league matches. We have Birmingham City. We have Reading. We have Juventus. West Ham. Tottenham, we have to play January 9th. Um, that's our first game back after the little winter break. Uh, we play Everton, Brighton. Then we play Manchester City again before we play mm-hmm. Arsenal. So we basically have Brighton, who's been quite good, then Manchester City, then Arsenal. That's the little three-game league run that's going to be very interesting. But my question to you is, that February 6th rematch with Manchester City. Obviously, it'll be at King's Meadow, so they'll have to come to London. Do you think that Gareth Taylor will be there no. for that match? I wasn't going to let you finish your, your, your sentence. You said, do you think Gareth Taylor... No, I, I don't. And I'm not just uh, saying... I don't want anyone to think that I'm like, I, I don't like him. I hate him. I, I just think that from the start, I very strongly believed it wasn't the right choice. I think for the women's game, we need managers to represent the women's game where possible there were plenty of other other choices to at that point but sticky city went with they wanted to go with an internal choice so that's the case i just i think after this and not just this game but the run they had i think there's absolutely no way they can keep him because if they keep him they can't guarantee or pretty much 90 percent sure that they're not going to finish in the top three not not going to finish in the top four, possibly even lower than that because teams above them like Tottenham, Arsenal, Brighton and West Ham after stepping up. So if they want to have a good season and not be embarrassed by where they could finish, they're going to have to get rid of him. Now it's about who they want to bring in, who they know can make a difference in terms of results. And I don't think that is Gareth Taylor. You know, he took his shot. He, like you said, it was probably an offer that he couldn't refuse. But if you want to make, make the leap to that level, you need to, to seriously sort of think about where you're going, what your tactic are, what is your philosophy? Because I don't know, looking at him where I can say, okay, this is like Gareth Taylor's philosophy. You know, you look at players like, or managers like Jurgen Klopp or Pep Guardiola, you know, this is essentially a Liverpool team. I just, I don't think it will be with him. It's really up to them. But if they want to, you know, if they want to have anything good coming their way this season, whether it's cup trophies or a good league position, it's going to have to be with someone else. And and that is the final thing I will say on Gareth Taylor, I promise. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and, and, and to anybody listening, we are, you know, it sounds like we're being hard on him and on, mm. and honestly, I don't, I don't believe we are, um, uh, because there were, there were a lot of things that we said when he was initially hired about why we didn't yep. think this was a good idea. Um, we believe that the the team was too talented, that he was too inexperienced in the women's game. Uh, and just as a manager overall to be able to do this. And it's frustrating to kind of continue to see, you know, week after week, 
this these kind of performances and this kind of thing happening. I mean, Manchester City are in ninth place right now. Ninth out of twelve teams. Consider That's the absurd. the individual brilliant in that squad, Alan yes. White. Uh, Lucy Bronze, their midfield, all those players, Khadija Shaw, they recently signed, and and all those players that have come in, and then to think that this squad isn't capable of being in the top three or four, it's it's criminal, really. And it's and it, and again, it's not it's not just injuries. You can look at the way that team plays, like like Miriam said, like you look at the team, the way the team plays, and you know, I I, I even mentioned Emma Hayes dissected them quickly. Here's what they're going to do to come out versus our you know three four three. This is what they're going to try to do. They try to do that. We coped with it. We got them in transition because Chelsea is a transition team. You give them opportunities to get numbers in transition and they're going to take them every single time. And that was it. So even when City had the bulk of possession, you know, they they were, you know, dictating play, we still knew how to cope with them. And that was the, just one manager being so much better than another. And it's just, yeah, yeah. Enough on, enough on Gareth Taylor because I don't necessarily want to fix Manchester City in this. But I, again, I, I do feel this is bad the, the for Frank the players. Kirby show, yeah. not the Gareth Taylor show. As much <laughs> exactly. as we want to to rant about him, we will we will save it for another time because really and truly, this was about Chelsea. And once again, they just absolutely took away us. You know, took away our breaths with the the goal scoring, the shots, the goals. Jesse Fleming coming in, the new formation, it, it all feels very positive and it, and it needs to be because we still, this is the first out of four or five games that are like two or three days apart, aren't they? Yeah, Chelsea has quite a run coming up um, as well. Like this was in the middle of this run, which is one of these matches where, you know, we saw a lot of interesting lineups like that lineup against Aston Villa had an eye on this match, right? Mm -hmm. Making sure that we could get, go to Academy Stadium, a place where we struggled and get all three points and we did it in style. So uh, this Thursday we go to Servette, or Servette comes to Kings Meadow. I'm sorry. Uh, we play them in the Champions League. We'll probably see a different rotated um, team there. Then three days later we play Birmingham City. Then December 5th we're playing Arsenal in the FA Cup final from last year. Um, then we play Juventus. Then we play Reading. <laughs> then we play Wolfsburg in the Champions League. Then we play West Ham. And all of that is before Christmas. So we got another really busy <laughs> run of matches coming up. That's why it was so important to get three points, but also so important to make a statement like this and continue the goal-scoring form that the team has been in because scoring three against Manchester City was incredible. You know, in the in the FA Cup semifinal, you know, we again, we did that. Then against Servette, 7-0. Now against Manchester City, 4-0. So you need to make sure that when the team is feeling like this and finding the spaces and being able to learn how to make all those combinations and transition, pay off with a goal. We're seeing that now. So this team looks like they're as dangerous as we wanted them to be at the beginning of the season. But obviously, change, changing formation was always going to take some time. They're looking quite good right now. Absolutely. So um, do we want to make predictions for Servette? Do we want to make predictions for the Birmingham match next weekend? What do you want to do with it? Because I don't even remember what our predictions were. Yeah, I was I was <laughs> waiting for you to ask me if there's anything I wanted to say, because I would like to say that I noticed at the beginning of the podcast, you didn't mention predictions. <laughs> I was like, let me let me not Did say, let me, let me give you the, the span of this podcast to for you to come across it. I wanted to give you the benefit of the doubt and you didn't mention them because you were trying to be <laughs> slick. We know why you're trying to be I slick. I completely forgot, to be honest. I was too happy about this win. Now, I said 3-0 and you said 2-0. And I was like, this is why he's not mentioning. He thinks he can get away, but I, I was <laughs> thinking about it the entire time. Honestly, I completely forgot that I even 
mm-hmm. uh, made that prediction. So mm-hmm. points definitely go to you yes. as as usual. Chelsea gets three <laughs> points. You get three points. This is the way that it works with predictions because I'm life, always you know? wrong. Death, taxes, and points to Miriam. <laughs> <laughs> Facts. Um, so yeah, do you what, what match do you want to predict? Do you want to stay stick um, with the league, or I, do you want to do Servette again? I think we both can agree that Servette is just going to be a, a pretty easy game. You know, we've already seven goals up, so I think yeah. maybe it wouldn't be great to kind of predict that. Or you know, no disrespect to any Servette fans listening, but I think we should focus on the league because I think that'll be the next big game. Okay, so Chelsea, Birmingham City, that kicks off 9 a.m. my time. That's 2 p.m. local time in the U.K., uh, November 21st. Yeah, so it's a home game for Chelsea as well. So that's it is. But Birmingham City only have one point this season. It's it's so bad and it's really tragic. You know, they have had six defeats out of seven games. So, yeah, just like the survey game, bad goal differential. It's it's negative 14 at the moment. Yeah, I just, you know, I don't see it going well. And and that might be like the perfect game for Chelsea to rest some more players. And I think that's what Emma Hayes might do. Because as you mentioned, given the goal difference and the league position, I think that's going to be quite an easy game. Uh, I'm going to go with 3-0. I think that's a safe scoreline to go with. Yeah, I don't I don't think you're you're too far away with that score. We did play them earlier in the FA Cup quarterfinal um in order to get to the semifinal. Obviously we beat them. Uh, it was 4-0 in that one. So I am expecting a similar score line even though I do think we will probably see some rotation in that uh in that even because it's it is a couple weeks I believe before we end up playing Arsenal in the FA Cup final. That's the next match, so we do have a little bit of a break, but I think that Emma Hayes will want to make sure that nobody picks up anything that might put them in jeopardy for that final. So we might see another rotated match. So it could end up mirroring more of the Aston Villa side and and performance that we saw. But I think even so, with the way the team is flying right now and the spaces that, you know, some of these players like Jess Fleming, Drew Spence is getting in, you know, off the bench quite a bit. Bethany England is coming into the squad, you know, getting getting subbed on a little bit earlier and being able to get into matches. So I think we're going to be able to still put up a couple goals. So what'd you say? You said three nil. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with four nil. Let me write these down just in case. <laughs> just in case anything goes amiss next week when we're recording our broadcast. Yes, yes, absolutely. So, um, Miriam, before we get out of here, um, is there anything else you wanted to say? Uh, a quick laugh again at the Garrett Taylor or anything that you want to add? <laughs> I was going to mention the predictions, but you already addressed that issue. So I'm I'm happy with what we talked about. And yeah, he, he's, he's not laughing about Gareth Taylor right now. Probably <laughs> one of those, you know, one of those people who don't like women's football. Those weirdos. Uh, yep. Well, th- that's the thing. If you want to criticize women's football, there is an avenue to do it, but you do it looking at unqualified <laughs> men in the game that are doing yep. things that they that have positions they shouldn't have. That's the mm-hmm. avenue to critique if people want to come in and critique. Anyway, I'll get off that high horse. Uh, this was a fantastic <laughs> win for Chelsea. I was really, really delighted. This was one of the most fun matches to watch because even though I still remember those multiple goals that we scored in extra time uh, against them in the FA, was it the FA Cup uh, last season? Um, and, and that was just an incredible, incredible match. It ended up being 4-2, but we scored like the last three goals after I think it was the 85th minute of normal time, which sent it into extra time, then scored twice in extra time, including one of the best goals I've seen Chelsea score. That Sophie Engel rocket was just incredible. Um, this, so this was on that level, but even more so exciting because we didn't have to endure being down for 80 plus minutes of the match. We got ahead immediately 
um, thanks mm-hmm. to Jess Fleming, and cope with them. They had a couple chances. Burger stood up because Burger's excellent. And that was really the game. And then we added three more goals because why not? We're Chelsea. That's what we do. We're <laughs> ruthless. So yeah, this was extremely fun. Chelsea fans absolutely enjoy it. Keep watching the highlights. We're going to keep talking about the match as well. So again, I think that's it for this episode. Thank you for listening to Fran Kirby's Fight Club. We love it when you guys do. If you do uh, give us a listen, please give us a good rating and leave a review. We love reading the reviews as well. It's really fun. And it's a way to help people find the podcast and grow the support for the team, but also the one and only, the magnificent, the great Fran Kirby. And follow us on Twitter as well, at Fran Kirby FC. Thanks again for listening, and we will talk to y'all next week.